0: Welcome to episode number 55, Anxiety Disorders and Teenage Life, Part 2, The Spiritual Side of Things. I'm your host, Damon Soka. I hope that you have found these episodes to be positive, uplifting, and hopeful in their attempt to bring some understanding to really a misunderstood and difficult world of mental illness. Now I wish that sometimes I could reach through this time and cyberspace and really just talk with you one-on-one just to hear your own personal story, your personal fight. Mental illness is so much more about the individual than it really is the collective group of us. We each experience it in such different ways and it affects us in such different ways. Now I often, in these podcasts, speak more generally about the illness in an attempt to reach more people, but I do understand how individual and personal your fight is. Sometimes giving up feels like not only the best option, but the only option. Now, I do not necessarily mean suicide, although that could certainly be part of giving up, and I plead with you to get help, and not see that that is your only option. What I'm really talking about is all the other things that we desire to do, but our mental illness prison doors feel locked and welded. I know that we give up freedoms, desires to accomplish good things, relationships, friendships, talents such as music, art, science, and a host of other wonderful parts of this earth. And I know that sometimes, probably more often than we want, our lives seem to be more filled with failure and fatigue than hope and determination. So in the end, I really hope that these podcasts bring you some measure of hope. Now, comparison is a terrible tool of measurement, It burdens us with the outward accomplishments of others and our own personal failures all at the same time. It just seems so ingrained within our social networks and society that often it comes upon us almost silently and without mercy. Mental illness often only complicates comparison as it darkens our views, it skews our reality, and adds to our displeasure and self-induced punishment. Now, social media has only enhanced our ability to compare ourselves to our more perfect friends and families. It is so easy to maximize our accomplishments and minimize our failures on those platforms where short videos and pictures present really a fantasy world. And truly, social media is a fantasy world where every day is sunny and where perfection seems to be the normal way of life. Now, the moments that really define us are really gonna make the public wall because those moments are messy. They're frustrating, discouraging, learning moments where we are perfecting not being perfect. Now, Nobody really wants to watch the thousand mistakes someone's going to make, the artists first crazy picture, that golfer's first swing, and we really don't want to watch the awkwardness of our first public speaking engagement, and so forth. It is so easy to become anxious about how our perfection is not measuring up to the social network perfection. And then our anxiousness anxiousness leads to discouragement, which in turn leads to giving up, and we lose out on so many opportunities to learn. Today this leads me to my first difficulty with anxiety disorders in teenage life and the spiritual home we call church. Now, as much as we try not to make church about a social social performance, it seems that the world is a difficult thing to discard, even when we are trying to do so. While the church should be a place of acceptance, healing, leaving the world behind, it is not often so. And that is especially true when we are trying to find our place in this world, such as most teenagers are. We watch what others are doing, saying, and We even attempt to watch what they're thinking as we try to find our place in the spiritual social network. We look for cues. We look for those unwritten rules and social acceptance and socially acceptable behavior. Now, the whole matter creates anxiety in the best of us who do not suffer with a disorder. But for those who do, the process of simply living within a church society can be a daunting task in and of itself. For those teenagers who suffer and even into young adult life, attending church can simply be overwhelming to the point that one becomes sick and ill just thinking about going to church or sacrament meeting. Even the foyer may be too much at times. It is not often a matter that one doesn't feel welcome at church when you have anxiety. Rather, it is the crushing feeling that you might, might say something wrong, do something wrong wear something wrong or just be something wrong. You cannot say to one who suffers, well, you just don't need to worry about that here in church because those who suffer really don't have that choice. They are going to worry and fret and be concerned. They will be concerned why the bishop didn't talk to them and they will also be concerned why the bishop did talk to them. They will be concerned that they might be asked to pray and not know what to say. They are often terrified of reading out loud, even though they do it quite well, and being called on to give an answer. They worry that the answer is not good enough for the group, and then are concerned when no one comments on their answer. If someone adds to their answer, then they have failed to give a complete answer. They worry about who is watching them, who is not watching them. They worry about that boy or that girl they have crushed on for months who doesn't seem to know they exist. They worry that they aren't pretty enough, didn't wear the right clothes, that they don't speak loud enough, that their hair is out of place, that they have bad breath. Now, perhaps you are beginning to understand what a difficult task just showing up at church is for those who suffer, and what it does to their mind and body. They will often become physically ill, obviously sweaty, shaky, nauseous, headaches, body aches, And so many other physical manifestations of anxiety. Anxiety disorder will affect everything they think and do. However, anxiety is a disorder that also requires a cloak. Anxiety itself does not want to be known as anxiety, and so it's going to manifest itself in many other ways. It is also going to do whatever it takes to keep from being known in public. Part of being anxious, deeply anxious, is to conceal in every way that you are deeply anxious and have serious anxiety difficulties. And then our anxiety does not stop there. It feeds upon itself until the body is consumed. Often those with anxiety will crash in exhaustion after a social performance as the body relaxes, perhaps in a safer environment, their own room. But once awake, the next performance is never far from being analyzed, from beginning to end. This means the next time we have to go to an activity or to church or to seminary or to institute, the whole matter starts all over again. And so does our illness. Now, performance is the first of many issues associated with anxiety disorder. We perform all the time, no matter the circumstance. And so anxiety disorders affect even the simplest matters of church attendance. But church attendance is really probably more an outward and behavioral sign in nature. The gospel is really about the inward person you are becoming. Salvation is a matter of change of heart, and exaltation is a matter of interpersonal connection and love with a Father and Savior through abiding covenants. For someone who is suffering from anxiety, the matter of the whole matter of salvation can be troubling. It can be difficult to know how you are progressing, if you are headed in the right direction, or if you are gonna make it, as it were. So the anxious will often try to overcompensate to make sure they are covering everything, trying in essence to do enough to make sure they haven't left anything undone. They will work and try and add more to their schedule until they are completely overwhelmed and exhausted. Now, in a normal state, we come to understand how we are progressing towards exaltation through personal revelation. Those quiet vo- voices in our soul that let us know our standing with the Lord. Now even knowing what to do and when to do it requires knowing if those voices, those whisperings of the Spirit have spoken or not. In suffering, the person can become hesitant to act, not knowing what is right and what has been spoken or what has not. They can also become overburdened, trying to listen and make every choice by those promptings of the spirit. Their mind and body are consistently pressuring them to do more, to be more, accomplish more, but often they are unsure as to what to accomplish. They are left in that guilty zone state where you feel as though you need to do more, but really aren't sure as what can be done. Now, Major life decisions can become in essence paralyzing to the point that fear really overcomes the ability to act. Even good promptings for someone who has an anxiety disorder are questioned, and choices are analyzed over and over again. Decisions such as where to attend school, who you should marry, what career you should have, even dating a certain person, going to a particular social or church event, and even such things as diet and nutrition can be really serious decisions these individuals. Anxiety simply causes enough doubt that decisions feel both wrong and right at the exact same time. And The gospel can also be a difficult matter when it comes to knowing what is right and what is wrong. Doctrine and scriptures, both written and spoken, are often more of a spiritual guide to help one make decisions appropriately. Rarely does one of our complex decisions in life mirror exactly what is contained in the scriptures we often have to apply doctrines to specific circumstances and those circumstances can be complex and multifaceted and difficult to apply to any one particular scripture in fact two scriptures might both make sense but lead to different conclusions now personal revelation is a requirement for those type of decisions I agree that I'm going to agree that some decisions are going to be quite obvious. You shouldn't be taking your neighbor's car for a joyride. Now the Ten Commandments contain some fairly easy applications such as do not commit adultery and do not steal, but the responsibility to honor your parents, not to take the name of the Lord in vain, keeping the Sabbath day holy can actually be far more nuanced. Sometimes it is not about right and wrong sometimes and more often in our life is deciding between two good choices the point of the matter is anxiety creates serious problems in the decision making process and often those who suffer will begin to lean on others to help them decide now this is a desire now this desire to get outside help can well can turn into a different type of problem where someone else is really making all of the decisions. The anxious person does this to really reassign the negative consequences to someone else. If the decision works out in a positive manner, then a dependence is going to be created in the relationship. If the answer turns out to be wrong, then the anxious person doesn't feel as responsible for the outcome. The anxious person simply needs an outlet for the worry to reassign blame, in essence, turning over the worry to someone else. But this does not help them solve their own problems or become independent. Now, teenagers will often look for reassurance, and this is very true. I know I did on a regular basis. Building my own testimony did not come easy, and I looked to others for reassurance, confidence, knowledge, understanding. And was ab- I wasn't really able to stand firmly on my own for some time well past my young adult life, creating a solid personal testimony takes some time, both trial and error, both of which caused my anxiety and most people who have anxiety disorders to really take over. However, I did have a patient and understanding mother and father who really did their best given the circumstances and the knowledge that uh, my disorder was undiagnosed um, to help me with my answers. I wanted my spiritual answers to be clear and really direct from the Lord, in essence so clear that I really couldn't mistake them. In addition, my anxiety caused me serious apprehension to understand that learning the voice of the Spirit was going to take time and patience for me and effort during which I was probably going to make several mistakes. Now, anxiety disorder and anxiety in general magnifies our mistakes and minimizes our successes. And this is going to be true for anyone suffering. To make a serious mistake, or what I thought was one, caused me to retract and to avoid really trying again. I still have some of those mistakes of my youth lodged in my thought patterns. Now, mistakes became roadblocks, really, and not learning experiences as they should be. One of the problems I face as an adult now that has carried through is that I still struggle making mistakes and learning. Now, this is true both in the gospel and in my career and hobbies. I have to physically and mentally make myself continue to try and learn when my first attempt or first several attempts uh, end in failure. Failure for me is still a significant burden. I have to mentally confront it, telling myself that I am learning and that failure is part of this process. Otherwise, it is deeply rooted in my nature to avoid learning experiences. Now, one of the most poignant examples is that I now currently paint, but I did not take up painting until much later in my adult life. That is because of my artistic, what I thought were my artistic failures early on in my teens and 20s. One failure would cause me to retract and avoid drawing or painting for years. Now, I know this might seem strange, but it is exactly what anxiety disorder does to the mind and heart of those suffering. I now, really, if you want to call it, force myself to paint and to get better rather than seeing failure as an end to my talents. Now, this same idea translates into the gospel but in perhaps more troubling ways. Now, failure in the gospel is generally known as sin. Sin as the idea and reality for me was beyond difficult to overcome, in the sense that I could not forgive myself and place the sin in my past as a learning experience. My sins, although they were not terrible, continued to haunt me over and over again as I grew into adulthood. I could not overcome them any personal sins. I understood the nature of the atonement of Jesus Christ and of the Lord's mercy. I knew that I had repented, but because of the chemistry of anxiety, it creates a consistent doubtful thought pattern. Now, those sins continued to be in my mind and heart for many, many years. Anxiety's nature is really to create a negative doubtful thought pattern and to keep the sinner in the sin. For one to move forward, sin really must be viewed from the perspective that repentance is a complete forgiveness from the Lord, and that we can learn from it and move forward in our lives. Now, if we are consistently reminded of our sins by anxiety or other means, it is easy easy to become discouraged and to fall right back into those errors, creating deeper patterns of negative behavior. Teenagers And young adults who are developing their own testimonies and who are learning the voice of the Spirit need to be able to move past bad experiences and to learn from them, not be haunted by them. However, an anxiety disorder is going to create a serious impediment to that development if the disorder is not diagnosed and treated appropriately. Now, today I've really discussed kind of three of the major concerns that most often cause serious issues for teenagers and young adults. The first being the outward performance, going to church or those type of matters. The second being an inward conversion and learning from sin rather than it being an end to learning. And finally, hearing or being able to hear the voice of the Spirit sufficiently to be able to make decisions on one's own. Now the question is really what can be done to help yourself or a friend or a family member that is suffering. Now, as always, the first thing that can be done is probably the most important, and that is really getting the issue diagnosed. Now, I've noted many symptoms during this episode today, and there are several others, and I would recommend that you research them. Anxiety is going to exist in a spectrum from mild to severe. Identification of where you are on that spectrum or what type of help you need is going to be the most important why you cannot always control the chemistry, knowing the problem can be most helpful thing you can do with the illness. Now identification of the ways that it affects one's life and where the greatest benefit would be is really the first step in a longer road of treatment that can and possibly should include psychologists, which I call the brain trainers, some medication maybe, simple daily mental exercises that help control the chemistry, diet, exercise, and really Retraining the body and brain to deal with the chemistry in more positive ways. Now, the second thing that can be done is to help is to tell someone else who is willing to be supportive and helpful about your diagnosis. Most of the time, you are already going to have this person in your life, and they are likely already doing some of those things to help you with your illness, even without a diagnosis. People with anxiety disorders. Typically, look for those who are most helpful to them in making decisions, and they will stick to them like glue. The important thing is really to get a diagnosis. And then ask this person specifically or persons, which is even better, to help you to overcome various aspects of the anxiety illness. Most of the time, this is simply going to be encouragement and positive support as you progress through the illness. If you are concerned about your teenager or young adult and think that they might have a serious issue with anxiety, it is going to be important to approach them about it and help them to discover the problem. Often asking good questions can help lead a young adult or teenager to resources that can best provide for them. Even researching anxiety disorders and questions doctors would ask is a good place to start. Most of all, when we're trying to help someone overcome these illnesses, the best thing to do is simply to have a discussion. Now third, it can be helpful to someone who is suffering to have a sounding board. Someone who will help us make, uh, help you make decisions, but is not going to make them for you. Now this can be a leader, a teacher, hopefully a parent, or even a sibling, anyone that you would trust to be able to objectively help you to overcome the fear of decision-making and to allow you to develop trust in yourself and your ability to hear the spirit and make good decisions. The most important key here is is that you are learning to trust your own abilities, not having someone else make those decisions for you. Fourth, the person suffering is gonna to have to work through the issue of making mistakes and learning. I did this later in life, perhaps too later, by actually taking on a hobby of basketball refereeing and baseball umpiring. I'm going to tell you it was a terrible experience at first, but over time I, I came to better trust myself and my decisions while performing and taking some pretty serious negative criticism. Now later after this, uh, these hobbies ended, I also took up some painting. Now I was not a great painter at first. But it definitely has become better with time. Now, I'm not saying that someone would have to do those specific types of things like umpiring or painting, but they're going to need something that does not come easy and where they can work to become better. Playing the piano, another, other talents, whatever it might be, it's going to have to be something that is going to allow you to accept mistakes and learn to enjoy the process as much as the ultimate product. Now fifth, somewhere in all of this work, the person's gonna have to work on a testimony. It is not gonna come easy, and the path is likely going to be longer than someone who does not have an anxiety disorder. I wish with all my heart that I could give you a pathway to your testimony, but that pathway is actually your road to walk with the Savior. It is the road that makes a solid testimony Not one experience or one spectacular moment in spiritual time, but daily simple experiences and mistakes. One spiritual or enlightening spiritual experience does not a testimony make. A testimony is going to be a host of experiences, and a conversion is going to be a host of experiences over a lifetime. Now somewhere in all of this striving for exaltation is the knowledge that walking the road matters as much as your destination. Now, understanding that the Lord fully understands your concerns and your illness, and that He makes accommodations for us in our weakness, if we are willing to accept ourselves as we are, then walk the road with the Savior, working to become like Him, it will happen. You will make it, even if you can't always see the progress along the road. Now, may the Lord bless you to keep up the fight so that He can do His part.